Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutrition scientist and an exercise physiologist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens, powerlifter, strength coach. I run Strength Guild, do Highland Games periodically. I got a new squat suit, so I got to try that out today. Ooh. It's going to be interesting. The triple ply? No, it's still single ply, but it's like today's uh, technology. Oh, yeah, my old one. Well, talking to people, the one I, I I bought a new one, and then it quickly got banned. So I had a suit that was now unapproved, which means they didn't pay the money to be approved. Um, oh, okay. oh god! So I had to scramble before my last meet and borrow one, oh, and it's geez. like a fifteen-year-old suit. Talking to people, I should have got like twenty-five pounds out of that. Which is probably what it felt like I was getting out of that suit. This new one up to 200 pounds. Wow. Yeah, I put it on yesterday, and I, I like, grabbed a doorknob and squatted down as far as I could. And my wife's watching. I'm like, am I close? Am I close? She's like, no, you're, like, eight inches away from parallel. So, <laughs> eight. eight. <laughs> oh, my God, this hurts. So we'll see. We'll see today what it takes to get me down to, to parallel. But it's, it's, it's like stuffing 100 pounds of potatoes in a 50-pound sack. Right. So it'll be interesting. I feel like they're yeah. trying to be jammed back in. Yeah, pretty much. It's just, yep, everything's <laughs> crushed. So, Well, there'll be big numbers coming from Phil, right? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, yeah. yeah. I mean, I squatted 725 raw, so we'll see what I can do in this. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've always thought, like, metaphorically that uh, equipped powerlifters, it's, and I don't know anything about NASCAR, but it reminds me of... And you're interfacing with equipment to do your sport, right? It's not like raw. It's not just the same skills. Um, you know, I hear you guys talk about pitching the bar forward or back in the bench press mm-hmm. and, um, you know, or in the squat, how you have to almost fall backwards into it, like sit yeah. back into it and all that kind of stuff. It's it's like a different sport and you and you just got a new sports car, Phil, you know. I did, yeah, I did. Yeah, and it's getting used to it. Like even that other suit, it takes me weeks to get. The groove is just enough different. Mm. That it takes weeks to get used to it. Mm-hmm. I can't just you know, I can't just squat seven hundred raw then throw it on and oh, I'm going eight. You know, it just feels <laughs> different. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure it's going to take me weeks, but I mean, luckily my meet didn't tell mid November, so I got time. And oh, I'm flying out to uh, lead FTS later this month and going to get some work in with Dave. So oh, awesome, cool. I figured, hey, if I'm going to do if if somebody knows something about equipped lifting, yeah. It's those guys. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a squat session in with them. 
and uh oh he's smart kind of knowledge i can gain so right i mean one of my pieces of advice i I always thought if i ever did a graduation ceremony speech it would be something about find a mentor right because if you can find someone who's done this a lot you can cut through years of frustration oh Um, yeah Yeah, if they just give you the tips and tricks that you need you know if i can walk away with one gold nugget (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's cool okay this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, associate professor at the Kerrig Institute, creator of the Flux Diet Cert, and uh, Jody and I are off to do a arm lifting grip competition today. Oh, very cool! Yeah. yeah, that is not one of my strengths. Is grip? <laughs> Sorry, it's just not. Wasn't one of mine when I started either. But do something long enough, you get better. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, that's like the Phil's um, aphorism about you know the best way to keep sucking at something is to keep not doing it yeah um so that's me and grip for sure um all right so uh first up in the news we're going to be doing this every week this month we are sunsetting this version of iron radio now i don't want people to panic and sunsetting is that's sort of like an academic term when they you know they get rid of an academic program or they merge something there's just going to be a new version. There's going to be a different website. We're going to modify the YouTube channel a little bit like that. Um, my direct involvement is going to be less because of my new job. Uh, there's no reason to really get into that too heavily. Uh, but you're still going to get your iron radio. We're not going to pod fade and all that kind of stuff. Um, we probably will do a few things like um, on the new site, probably switch over to Patreon for donations. Um, my son's telling me how, you know, what a Luddite I am and how old school I am just using, uh, PayPal when, uh, uh, presumably Patreon, it's almost a social media platform of itself. So we might be able to uh, attract some new, you know, uh, donors and get the word out just about iron radio. And of course, iron radio is free. Um, but if we move into a new format, um, it'll probably be a little bit more raw. We're talking about a little bit of video behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff. It will be cool. Um, so look for that. The YouTube channel and our website, um, the YouTube channel will get tweaked right now or historically it's been under Dr. L nutrition science podcaster. Uh, the reason for that is because there were other like fan sites, iron radio sites over the years. They were usually small and faded quickly, but they, you know, you put something online and it's always there. So we'll, we'll rename it as cleverly as we can, um, in fact, one of our mails today is specifically about somebody saying, thank goodness for that YouTube backup because the iTunes, the RSS feed on iTunes didn't go up. And um, it is fixed now, by the way. Uh, our show uh, with Andrew Heffernan, that is now up. Uh, I did get a couple of emails about that. I apologize. I'm back and forth. I'm sort of partly moving residents here. And that's very, uh, you know, up. well, not upsetting, but... Um, upending <laughs> so i i couldn't fix it until i got back to uh my house but that is now fixed so uh anybody who's hankering to learn about writing and editing for the gen pop that's andrew heffernan that is now up uh on itunes so that's fixed okay uh what else the iron radio the old version of the site and we've had listeners and various people literally like making fun of us for years about how dated the site looks. Mm-hmm. Um, the site and our RSS feed that syndicates it. I mean, I literally use like FeedBurner and um, 
you know, I hand coded and handmade the site. So that's that's my amateur handiwork. So you IT people or web people, that's why it's so bad. <laughs> so to heck with you. It's the best I could do. But a lot of this stuff has evolved, right? When people do podcasts now, they, they usually syndicate through a third party. They don't hand write the feed and all the stuff. Times have moved on. FeedBurner, uh, which is one part of the syndication process, I won't bore you, but it's changed. Websites have changed where if you don't have HTTPS before your website, my understanding is this fall, a lot of the big players are going to start like blacklisting you and putting big red unsafe things across the top of the website. So we have to do this in many ways. It's not just... uh, my change in employment. There's a lot of tech differences coming coming down the pike, but we do have enough money from listeners. Thank you guys that we can just keep up the the old Iron Radio site as a legacy site for several months. I would say if if you want to go download specific episodes that are your favorites, go do it. Um, it's not going away anytime soon. We'll probably, as I understand it, Phil, we'll probably migrate some of that stuff to the new site anyway. Yep. He's going to boost it all over there. Nice. So nice. Every episode he'll put over there. And like I said, um, we're going to have a search function now. So you don't just have to dig through the past. You can search like Jim Windler, Dave Tate, or whoever, and it'll pop up. Excellent. Their episodes, things like that. So just making things easier for people. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just time. The stuff is beyond yep. dated. So. <laughs> Yeah. And we yeah. do know that just for you guys that are kind of snickering at us, you know, um, we're lifters and nutritionists, you know, I, I don't pretend to be yeah. a, a tech person. Mike is the techiest yes. among us. Um, mm, not for HTML. <laughs> I can run a metabolic card and HRV and that kind of stuff, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Different tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll keep up the old site. Um, Let's just say for the foreseeable future, just in addition to the migration, just so you you can go, you know, grab stuff. But the don't look for new content to keep pumping out in the old site, you know, a, a, as the months progress. That's going to be going to a new one. I'll put some big announcement on the top of the old site. The truth is, even websites themselves are sort of archaic. Um, interestingly, Iron Radio's growth went up over the years, and the bandwidth has, has stayed fairly high as far as downloads, but it's not through the website as much anymore. The actual number of web hits has actually come down some, and I'm thinking that's probably – it may be a function that the, the old Iron Radio site was kind of lame, but also that I don't think people just surf the web on their computers with traditional websites anymore, you know? Um, everything's through different devices and, and that kind of stuff or other channels, you know, like iTunes and whatnot. So, all right. So th- that's enough boring stuff with that. So look for changes. We're in the site. Um, my presence online will, will diminish, but the site is going to be better in a lot of ways. So, um, so there you go. We'll mention that briefly at the beginning of each show in August. Well, again, while we kind of sunset the old version, Iron Radio 1.0, um, and there's that. Okay. Uh, in the mail, oh, we got something from Sean and Gabby, and I wanted to bring this up quickly. Uh, they're active on our forums, too. Uh, he just said, Hey, Lonnie, I wanted to check with you about this week's episode. I'm not sure if you're if you're still running uh, the rails around the country or not, but I saw that episode 636 was on YouTube but not on iTunes. Uh, right, so I just mentioned that, um, in fact, uh, Sean, but Andrew Heffernan's episode is now up on iTunes. That's 
my bad. I couldn't physically get to it. Um, so he said, still working my way through past episodes, enjoying every one. Also, Phil is coming out to our place next week to do a workshop with us. Yes, uh, I am. Nice. Mike stopped by and worked out with us this spring. Now we just need to get you to make the pilgrimage. And then mm. he says, Gabby says, hi, thanks for all you do. Sean, you know what? I noticed, it never occurred to me that you're in Bozeman, Montana. Mm-hmm. I was in Yellowstone. I was probably like, I don't know, an hour or two far. from you. Not that far away. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and when I told him about my tapering down on um, at least with weekly involvement here with uh, a lot of nutrition stuff, he just said, man, we're going to miss all the great studies that you share and the, the great way that you do it. Thank for all, thanks for all the years of great information and the experience you shared. Is there a way to support you in your new endeavor? These guys are so giving. I love these guys. We have oh, such they're both so nice. quality yeah. listeners, man. Um, no, there's really, there's really nothing other than, you know, stay tuned with the transition. Be patient with the transition with Iron Radio. Yep. So, um, This next one is from Daniel. Um, I, I, it's a long email, so I'll just sort of piece through this, but it's, it's thought provoking. He just sent this. He says, hi, good morning. I've written to you before and you've always been, had wonderful responses. Been listening to iron radio for about 10 years. You guys are brilliant and funny. Thank you for the education. Um, he says, when I used to teach at a fitness vocational school, Bodybuilding bled into my students' fitness lives because it's prevalent in the fitness world. Can you do a pros and cons of this type of lifestyle since you are educated and have done this? Um, he says, I, I personally appreciate the discipline and the efforts that people put into their into bodybuilding, uh, but people don't realize that it's not necessarily healthy. And again, I'm going to start paraphrasing. It's kind of a big email. Um, focusing too much on the outside, not enough on inside You know, biomarkers of health. Is it the best way to actually train? I, I think essentially is he what he, what he's getting at because again it kind of bleeds into uh, fitness classes and that kind of stuff. You know he talks about stuff like the, the as I understand what he's getting at here the absurdity of standing practically naked in front of people you don't know and you know you're fake tanned you're dehydrated hungry weak agitated you know you're judged very superficially against other people. Um, so he says, to be honest, I'm a little biased because there's so many people in the world that you need that need correct information. Basically, they need corrected, but it's overshadowed by the this kind of bodybuilding stuff. Um, but he just wants our, our perspective, and this is from Dan. Dan, I can tell you, I, I think we all agree, and I have felt this very personally, but the whole fake tan, dehydrated, hungry, weak, <laughs> agitated, uh, yes, it's very temporary. Um, I, I I told the story once in months past, years past, that there was a guy, and I, I liked him quite a bit. He was a middleweight competitor, and he was in some of the same shows that I was doing around the Midwest. He would paint himself up and get himself just the right color, and then he would go lay down and, of course, ruin the hotel sheets because of the fake tan, right, um, and not move and just kind of you know, he'd weigh in, he'd check in, and he was so afraid to kind of smudge his very, you know, theatrical appearance that he would just go lay on a bed and motionlessly just not move for hours and hours until the prejudging uh, and then before the evening show. It just shows how incredibly temporary it is, right? You can't stay that dehydrated, and there is an element of theatrics to it. 
Um, that's the part that I just never liked. You know, my wife's rolling her eyes. She's painting me like I'm a house or something <laughs> in the bathtub. I'm sprawling, you know, in the bathtub, and she's just she's being you know a good spouse, <laughs> trying to help, <laughs> trying to help her man. But it, you know, and I'm just rolling my eyes because I always like the training part of it. You know, not the yeah. not that part, but. It does take a lot of discipline. It is very all-consuming, you know, because of the nutrition and stuff is obviously a a bigger deal than it is with some powerlifters, I, I would think. I mean, obviously, powerlifters have to think about their, their nutrition and whatnot as well. But um, as far as it poisoning fitness enthusiasts, um, maybe I'm using too strong of a word, but one of the things that – and then I'll, I'll shut up and get your guys' perspective. One of the things that I see is bodybuilding takes a – body part specific approach right not a movement specific approach and this just dawned on me i don't know it's been years ago now but i remember thinking oh right instead of doing like chest and triceps and then the next day is back and biceps and then the third day in your split is legs you don't have to do it anatomically like that you can do it by movement right so the the more that phil has educated me about the powerlifting side and rob too I'm like, oh, so you can do deadlift day with accessory work. Um, and, you know, a bodybuilder's left scratching her head or his head like, well, where do I put deadlift day? Is that back or legs? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, right? It's both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can do it based on movement. And the beauty of, of the powerlifting approach, I think, is that you still end up with, you know, hitting all those prime movers, all those big, massive, superficial, uh, you know, skeletal muscles uh and you end up probably wasting a lot less time doing stuff like i don't know trying to bring out your serratus or something with cross bench pullovers or something not that those are always bad but you know it's just more cut to the chase and movement based so at least that's my perspective is that bodybuilding tends to make it yes it's very aesthetic it's not so much about biomarkers i don't even i mean health biomarkers i mean Phil has the same perspective, I think, that Mike and I do. It, it's not about health. It, nobody really – the people who say it's about health, um, they're not high-level competitors. They're just – they're not. Um, but, Phil, what do you think about, like, how bodybuilding affects fitness? Today? Yeah, like fitness it's classes. <laughs> uh, bodybuilding, I don't think it affects – like, the last time I had somebody walk in and, like, even mention bodybuilding – it's 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 not a big sport anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean, the, even comparatively to powerlifting, I mean, from what I see, powerlifting is kind of on an upswing compared to what body where bodybuilding is now. Um, it's just a small niche sport. It always will be. I mean, powerlifting will too. But I mean, scroll social media, you don't see a lot of posts about bodybuilding, whereas you see all these different sports. <laughs> like powerlifting took a huge upswing in the last five years, so mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think it's negatively affecting anything. I think it's just kind of there, you know. And and the niche is the niche. You know, there's still people doing it, but I don't see it like negatively or positively impacting people on a grand scale at all. Mm-hmm. The people that are into it are into it. I mean, I don't see it. I can't say anything negative about it. Right. If it's getting people in there, freaking great. Yeah, I mean we we need more people just being <laughs> active, uh, even if it's badminton. I don't care. Get up and do something. <laughs> you know? Right, especially any muscle sport, resistance sports. Yeah. You know, just... <laughs> in today's day and age, yeah. I mean, 
mm-hmm. get out and be active however you can. So I think a lot of this is what kind of um, circles we, we run in. You know, all the algorithms online are going to give For you sure. stuff that you're already doing. Like, so maybe Daniel sees a lot of a lot more of this. It's not like I see a lot of bodybuilding either. I agree with you, Phil. I I think even though when you talk to contest promoters like we have over the years, they insist that yeah. no, the, there are big shows with, you know, you got lineups of 20 people in a class. and um, But at the same time, yeah, I think bodybuilding has almost in many ways, this is my bias, but has dissolved into mainstream fitness. You know, like you, you'll hear people yeah. like joking, say, bro's not skipping leg day. You know what I mean? These are the <laughs> sorts of things that, bodybuilding has permanently influenced Americana, I think. But my perspective, I still do see a lot of personal trainers taking a body part by body part approach. And to me, again, my bias is that's more fitness, that's more bodybuilding-esque than the functional Mm -hmm. fitness thing. But I agree with you, Phil. The functional side, the movement by movement thing is huge. And I admit... It's become very popular to be an athlete. It is. Um, and, and in many ways, it's more efficient, right? Because you're still getting huge quads, huge back, huge chest. You know, um, you can add in accessory work and do extra direct arm work if you want. I mean, I'm sure you guys do that. Um, it might not be the sort of, you know, <laughs> concentration curls and that, you know, yep. and that's all you do during the day or something like that. But it, it's actually no, very I- efficient. Yeah, and I'd say even in a big population that it's changed in is females. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Women over the last half a decade have come to this realization that I can be strong. It's not just about looking toned and pretty. Mm-hmm. Like I can't tell you, like almost every female person I get to come in, I just want to be freaking strong. And it's empowering to them, and that's what I've seen change a lot. There's not... <clears throat> There's not as much primping and preening. They're like, I want to get in and throw some chalk dust and scream and yell and be badass too. <laughs> and, right, uh, right. And it's what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. So. No, it's a good point. Um, things are more functional. Things are more, yep. um, they're, they're more gender equitable kind of thing for sure. Um, yep. Mike, what about you? Uh, any thoughts about the, the, the way that fitness is approached with a lot of people? How, has bodybuilding affected it negatively or positively? Yeah, I mean, I agree with with Phil. If you're running a smaller gym that's known for strength athletes, you're probably going to get more of those people looking into <laughs> it. And I agree that there's been a lot more uh, females going into that, which my bias is I would credit probably CrossFit for that. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first main exposure where they're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow, look at them doing this. That's amazing. Yeah. I wonder if I can do that. And then, oh, there's a gym in my town already. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is crazy and super nice to see. I think, I don't know if I see a lot of bodybuilding as a sport as much, but again, I'm still more on the periphery on that too, but I'm also a hermit and don't look for a lot of stuff online. So I <laughs> right, don't trust me too. anything that, yeah. <laughs> that I happen to see online right. is like the, the main thing that other people are looking at. Um, I do agree that the whole body part specific training has always kind of baffled me a little bit i get it if you're you know high level competitor or you're trying to you know make those small improvements okay that makes sense right put more stress on the area you want to improve like i get it but then you go to the gym and you see as phil's term to like the 
six foot three, hundred and forty pound eel shaped rake who's doing concentration curls for a mm-hmm. half hour, you're like, uh, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> yep. Um even some of the physique competitors I have and most of it I'm just thinking, hey, how can we get the most load on mm-hmm. the tissue and still have them recover and accumulate the most amount of volume over the course of a week? It's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday is kind of a more hybrid approach, you know, some squats, some machines, some rows, some bench, you know, it doesn't look on its face value all that different from some powerlifting training. Granted, they're not doing a lot of, you know, singles and doubles and triples and stuff. And then we may just drop in a specialization day, you know, so if you need to bring up your arms, which you could argue for almost any physique competitor, then we'll have an arm specialization day. So we'll add some more Mm -hmm. things on top of that. And I just found that people get just a lot better results from that. I mean, you're just getting so much more mechanical tension on the specific tissue. Um, I do think that kind of body part split training, I think it's still subconsciously influenced fitness trainers and coaches probably more than we realize. And it's always been so weird to me that if you're training athletes, that you would even look at it as mm-hmm. oh here's a vmo day well where's where's the scm day you know where's the the atlas day you know it's like where yeah. do you yeah where do you draw the line uh, per se on that and i mean i was even talking this last week with uh, coach caldeets the university of minnesota how i think people understand when you're training athletes the movement approach and speed and everything else is the way to go but sometimes when you see people write Programs, I think that sort of subconscious fitness, bodybuilding type influence is is still there in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, I mean, there are always more than one lines of history into something. I mean, the American College of Sports oh. Medicine in the past, you know, they, they'd have guidelines like – Work most, you know, major muscle groups with resistance exercise in addition to doing your cardio and, and this and that. And so it's it's not like only bodybuilding drove this, but it definitely flavored it. Um, but I think where it goes bad are, are things like you see somebody in the gym, sort of to what you were to say, Mike, like with concentration curls or somebody's doing, I don't know, like lateral raises to make their delts cappier. <laughs> you know, you're like – you're natural, bro. That's not going to – a lot of this stuff, these specialty movements and isolation movements that bodybuilders have done, at least on a you know national and pro level, those guys are enhanced. They can – like Arnold said in – I think it was Pumping Iron or the comeback. He's like, you want bigger delts? Just exercise those muscles and sl- it's like slapping on some clay. It's like – <laughs> yeah, if you're not taking anadrol, <laughs> that's yeah. going to take you. Why are you ever trying to make your delts cappier? Would, why would you not be doing overhead military presses unless you were just injured or something? Um, you know, so, but I think a lot of those isolation movements, you can probably change, if not dramatically, the shape of a muscle, the overall appearance of a body part with some of those movements. But, you know, oh, yeah. they're progressing quickly and because they're enhanced. Uh, so there's that's the other part of that too. So, yeah. And if people want to listen, we had Dr. Guillermo Escalante on just the other day talking about what it takes to be a professional bodybuilder. So we kind of ran down the list of all of that. And then I started did a, a second part on my show, the Flex Diet Podcast, shameless plug, uh, <laughs> with him talking about you know what to do for peak week and you know different aspects of that too. So people can check out those two episodes if you want to 
get sort of a sneak peek of what it takes to be a very high level competitor in bodybuilding. Sweet. Yeah, this sounds a bit like a plug too. This was not planned, but I would like to actually listen to what Guillermo <laughs> says about peak week because that last week is where we talked about it ourselves. People go off the rails stupid and they ruin uh, a whole yep. pre-competition training cycle because they they take too many diuretics and their veins completely go away so they look less ripped or who knows, you know, they all kinds of screw-ups. Um, yeah, yeah we talked work. about that about you know, what drugs are high risk, like insulin and diuretics. And especially for, I hate to say it, but bikini competitors where, yeah, diuretics probably shouldn't be on your top list of drugs Mm -hmm. to do the week before show. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of mistakes. What are the actual risks? If you're going to go that path, like making Mm -hmm. sure you really understand what the hell you're doing. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I can say that's where (laughs) a, a place where, bodybuilding negatively affected fitness is the diuretic stuff because i remember like that bled into powerlifting and then people realized oh i'm on a i'm on a prescription freaking diuretic and so they try and lose weight for the meat and realize hey that prescription diuretic still working and i'm trying to squat 800 pounds yep and i'm cramped (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and there was a there was a lot of people there for a while writing articles about like don't do that you know come on you're just it right, doesn't, it doesn't pan out well with uh, athletics. Well, we were laughing the other so, day about Paul Delay uh, being carried off stage. He hits his first pose at a competition. I mean, God, that was ages ago. But you know how embarrassing, um, mm-hmm. you know, being that huge and you can't even display it. Uh, sort yeah. of to Daniel's point, like it's the opposite of health at that point. Yeah. You can't even. You work to have this amazing physique, and you can't even make the slightest squeeze or tension on something before it seizes up on you. You know, um, stuff like that. Um, I have one last thing that I just wanted to share because this was touching, and then we'll go to break. And then after the break, of course, we'll talk about Ma and Pa, Jim's pros and cons versus corporate stuff. Um, this I'm going to paraphrase because this is from a former student. But they basically talked about how uh, some of my classes were influential in developing their nutrition literacy. Um, and this is partly why I, we, we've done Iron Radio in the past. But um, they talk about physiology, the fundamentals of macro and micronutrients. But they say, then I found Dr. Lowry's podcast, The Iron Radio. <laughs> I don't know how much we've really talked about this. I mean um, – Phil and I did it back in the beginning, but you know, you always get a similar, like sometimes they're noobs, sometimes they're intermediate questions from people. And it's just so easy to be like, that's on the podcast. You know, that's on the podcast. You could kind of refer them, like eat your heart out. We have a huge archive, you know, which is why we're intent on keeping it online. But um, it's interesting though, that because of the podcast is free, it's always been sort of that listener supported public radio kind of thing that students like this can actually stack it on top of you know they take a basic class at their university or you know maybe they're they joined a crossfit gym whatever and then they can check out hundreds of experts and you know listen to all of our silliness to just kind of build mm-hmm. on it so maybe just maybe feel good that what we're doing matters yeah. okay let's go to break afterwards we'll talk about ma and pa gyms Hello, dear ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto 
I don't do it because, I mean, look at me, come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text the Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it, do it now! I Am Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. For this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. All right, folks, we're back, sort of in the final days of version one of Iron Radio here. We are going to talk about Ma and Pa gyms and some of the pros and cons. Uh, long ago, we did talk about 80s gyms, uh, and those are the gyms that really had that kind of flavor. You know, like I, I have trained for many years at Bodybuilder's Gym in Akron, Ohio. It's actually one of the top 10 hardcore gyms in the nation. There's some stuff on the walls about that. From Most of that's lingering from Days of Muscle magazines, but that alone shows you that it's old school, right? Because magazines barely exist anymore. Um, but uh, what we're focusing on here is what are some of the advantages and disadvantages in a small format uh, before we hit the record button, we were talking about, I believe it was Brian Moss. He was on years ago, and he was saying that, you know, small gyms are going the way of the dodo. Um, and, I, you know, we were just having some discussion back and forth on whether that's true everywhere. But, uh, Phil, what do you think? Um, obviously, you have a ma and pa gym, so you're going to mm-hmm. have a certain bias. You're not some cute, you know, you don't have a chain. Strength Guild isn't a, a soulless chain like a sports bar. <laughs> So what are your thoughts about some of the pros and cons of the ma and pa versus the, you know, the big chains? Hmm. There's definitely, I mean, especially since the chain, the chains have changed with the times. Okay. So they are trying to attract and doing a good job of it. um, The more athletic culture, because that's what we've turned into. Like the athletic culture has definitely risen. People, it's less about how you look and more about what you can do as well. I'm not saying even powerlifters want to look good. Deep down, they're all lying to you if you don't. Um, <laughs> they do things to look jacked. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, like you, I don't know a powerlifter that doesn't want to, like, dude, you're fucking huge. Thanks, bro. <laughs> 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 they're, they're going for that, too. Um, but um, the mom-pop gyms aren't going to die. So, I'd, like, I have people that will, hey, I'm going to take a break and try this place out for a little while. What they come back for is like we talked about before the show started, the team. And you're not going to have that at the, like the mom pop place does not care about you. Um, and the specialized equipment, um, the general mom and pop gym does not have good bars. You know, they're not spending five, $600 on a deadlift bar. Um, things like that. So, and like my people are around, some of them around for the place. More than not though, it's, it's for the atmosphere is what your, how your mom and pop places are going to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're looking for that team, that like-mindedness, the acceptance. Like, you're still a weirdo if you're a competitive athlete. And you always – maybe more now than ever, there's less people doing sports. <laughs> Go outside, there's less kids just playing ball. But um, that's what they're coming for. It's not going to die, but it's definitely uh, – there's been a shift. Like, the, the big chain gyms have drawn people. 
away from CrossFits and things like that. You're seeing them shut down like crazy, but they also blew up fast. But uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the good mom and pop gyms that have an atmosphere have a team. Uh, they're not going anywhere. Teams, you still have right. that sect. Of, yeah, you have that small group of people that are very serious that that's what they want. They're not getting what they need at a mom and pop or at a uh, commercial gym. Right. You know, they need that. Like I, can you imagine me like going into Crunch Fitness or Lifetime in my suit? And hanging from their rack to put it on. Half naked and <laughs> it ain't happening. You know? There's a site. It might, help my people make fun of me. Um, yeah. Because I'm literally <laughs> hanging from the monolith. Like, this sucks. <laughs> and uh, I can, I should try it sometime. You know, buy a day pass to the local there gym. You go. And have somebody film me and see what people say. But, uh, uh, yeah, and just, like, you can't go in there and crank the music up to level 100 and yeah. hit your set and have the whole gym cheering for you and things like that. It's, it's right. just different. But, I mean, look at that. Any successful athlete or sports team has that small team behind them. It's it's an effort. Even individual sports like strength sports, it's the, the training for it is a team activity. You know, most people that are good at it have other people behind them. Um. And you don't get that at commercial gyms. I mean, it's just not there. Yeah. Dealing with the bullshit. I mean, we've all heard the stories of, of commercial gyms and the things you deal with there. But they are good at the same time. Like my wife, we own a gym. She has a membership to the local Crunch Fitness. Why? Because they have like 7,000 stair steppers and this and that. And it's like 8 bucks a month. It's like, yeah, I'm the, get it, babe. You know, yeah. spent the nine dollars a month. That way, I don't have to spend fifteen grand on a stair step. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, and you can go sit in the air conditioning and do your when it's a hundred degrees out, like it has been. Yeah. You know, that's great for squatting and stuff. But who wants to stand in a hundred degree building and like step on a stepper for an hour and a half? Oh, I mean, know. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. You know, Phil, what you're saying about the team and how it takes a team, it, I don't know what culture it came from, where, where the origin of this quote was, but that makes me think about that. It takes a village to raise a child. You ever heard that? Yeah. Um, it's that kind of thing, right? To bring someone up and nurture them into maturity in something. Yeah, it, it helps to have some different opinions and different kinds of motivational support and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I think the teams thing is the niche. Um, and you're right about CrossFit blurred a lot of this because a lot of those boxes, and again, I'm not deep into the CrossFit culture, so people can, you know, um, rip on me all they want. I'm like, my, I'm, I'm at least as hermity as Mike. Mike. Mike's online probably even more than me. Um, like I ditched all of my social media except ResearchGate. <laughs> Talk about nerd. <laughs> but, but the point is, yeah, it's... Um, the rise, the rapid rise of the CrossFit thing, in a way, they were individually, you know, ma and pa, but they were also corporately influenced, right, because of, like, the wads. And, and you know, again, as an outsider, I'm looking at this stuff. It has a, it had a weird hybrid feel to it where it, it was individually owned, as I understand, but, like, corporately influenced sort of thing. And when I say ma and pa, Jim, I, I mean, again, I think about Pep Wall down here at Bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. Um He's completely unmoved by that kind of stuff. You know, you walk into the gym and he's not afraid. Um, In fact, uh, what he has blasting at 11 is it's profane. They couldn't even play Mm -hmm. it in bigger places, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
uh, if people go in there, and it's a, it's a cool sort of urban environment. There's white guys and black guys, and there's a handful of girls in there. And, you know, if they're hardcore, you know, they can come on in. Historically, there haven't been many uh, actually women at bodybuilders, but the point being is, it's just he's unmoved. He's unmoving. Yeah. It, this is this is the same model he's always had. Um, he plays rocking heavy metal music, the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that you guys would listen to. So somebody were to say, well, you know, how about some, I don't know. I like classical. It's motivating or rap. Or he'd be like, no, <laughs> no, <Yeah>. no, <laughs> that's not on the playlist. You know? Yeah. Um, so there are certain things you just accept by going in there. Yep. But that's what makes it. That's what makes it. It's what gives it flavor. Um, yes. And I can tell you like the, the places I've seen that don't make it don't have that niche. Like mm-hmm. I, I have if if I all of a sudden bought forty seven treadmills and tried to compete with those places, I'd be gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not going to happen. You know, I need to cater to the serious strength athlete. That's how I keep people, and that's the people I enjoy. That's why I'm open. Exactly. You know, to give them a home. Uh, I'm, and I very much understand that it's a niche, and I don't want. And luckily, from the start, I didn't. I don't want a hundred members. Don't want it. Yep. You know? Exactly. I, I'd rather have forty dedicated ones you know well even the podcast i mean that's how we we have a small number of hardcore people and we're not advertising and pushing for lots of gen pop people i I frankly don't don't want them (laughs) don't want exactly yeah i just don't like i had a lady walk in this week um just randomly walked in i heard this is a gym i was like yep where's all your cardio equipment wrong place (laughs) yeah wrong place (laughs) see you later yeah yeah maybe make a referral or something that's okay you know and right. it's okay like, right yeah, it you okay. need to go down the street you know yep um that's not what we're about well it's the same thing i think even with uh the podcast being so niche you know we've got this hardcore group of of people like we grew up to a certain point that i knew wouldn't expand beyond that right so mm-hmm. if we have uh, on average 50 to 100 people per state regularly listening or or becoming supporting members or whatever it has been in the past it's not going to get bigger than that it's too niche the meathead egghead market you know it's very real and you can see how passionate they are like on the on the iron forums and stuff like those are people who are you know that's what they're all about and if somebody comes around gen pop i'm sure to your door or they stumble on iron radio i'm not saying that it's bad you can you can learn a lot of stuff from the muscle sports but you'd have to at least be open-minded and you know and if your only goal is to get on an elliptical for an hour and a half three times a week i don't think we have a lot to offer you really no Um, and that's like even i'll just flat out tell them you don't want to waste your money here because i'm not going to watch you walk on a treadmill (laughs) my job to be your coach sorry babe i'm not go go spend eight bucks yeah you're wasting your money I am not going to cheer you on while you walk to nowhere. Well, and that's Phil. That now because that's what irks me about a lot of personal trainers and in 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 my experience, just kind of outside looking at ads, like the Peloton people and these exercise bikes. That's kind of it. Seems to be that's what it is. Like, whoop, come on, you can do it. It's like, yeah, I, I'm not a cheerleader. I'm here to no. you know build programs mm-hmm. and make you big and strong, not to not to cheer you on with pom-poms, you know, and that's what it feels like some of those, some of that remote stuff is. So there's the segue, Mike, because you do remote largely. Um, How do you stay out of just that lightweight, come on, and just, you know, trying to like be there on a laptop screen while someone is lifting in their basement, you know? 
Yeah, that's it's been interesting with the COVID stuff to see people do kind of live streaming of fitness. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to me, that just seems like a horrible idea. Uh, and I'll do videos and stuff with clients, and I mean, I'll I'll tell clients outright that yeah, I'm gonna you know try to support you, and obviously I'm gonna be here for accountability, and you've got to check in every week, and you've got to log your stuff, and we're gonna check to make sure you get it done, hundred percent. But I am a horrible cheerleader. If you expect mm-hmm. me to, in you know, extrinsically motivate you somehow, it's just not gonna work. Nope. Um, we had uh, some clients that came over. Well, it was like what, six weeks ago now? So three of them flew in from uh, California and Texas. So they came here all weekend. We did a bunch of testing and learning, and it was super fun, awesome time. And one of them asked about uh, training and sort of, you know, how often do you give feedback? And I said to her, I'm like, if I was training you, I would give you feedback probably about every third or fourth day. And she just looked horrified. She's like, what? I'm like, if it's something you need and you send a video, course i'm going to give you feedback but because i want you to do things just purely intrinsically for yourself follow the plan give me your feedback you know listen to your body and not rely on trying to not really impress someone else but do it because you're trying to make someone else uh happy that you completed a program yeah right so it has to be 100 percent internal because once you're done that's the only thing you're really going to be you know left with Mm-hmm. Um, and what's great is like all like you know the current clients I have all all know that, right? So it's like yeah we're tracking your stuff we're looking at your HRV we're doing all this stuff but I'm not gonna be texting you in the morning to be like make sure you get to the gym today. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you either made it or you didn't. You know yeah. I know life comes up and things happen. Totally understand. You know and all of them are very you know already motivated, right? They have you know bigger goals, things that they're already working on. So I don't really have to worry about that per se which is kind of nice um but yeah and even with gym stuff like it's oh i'm waiting for the image of the personal trainer standing next to someone with the clipboard counting reps and cheering for them mm-hmm. just to die and go away because I, <laughs> I i still think in the general population that is what the perception a lot of times of a trainer oh, is yeah. and yeah. is that part of the job at some point yeah i get it but so much more than that. Oh, and God. I think yeah. to be a trainer, especially now in the future, you're going to have to have you know maybe some in-person stuff. You're going to have to be able to switch to be 100% online. If something happens with your gym, you get shut down for reasons that are 100% out of your control. And it's going to be more of a lifestyle thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have conversations with clients about, like we've done with high-end athletes forever. What's your nutrition? What's your sleep? Mm-hmm. What's your stress? You know? Hey, I saw yesterday didn't go so well. What happened? Yep. You know, like treating them as an actual, you know, human organism instead of just, oh, looks like uh, you didn't make it to the gym. Okay. You yep. know, oh, oh, you got 11 reps. Good job. You know, my advanced technique is to count backwards so you get all your reps done. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, in my opinion, I couldn't agree more. The, that sort of jillian michaels militant motivator thing i think it devaluates you know legitimate uh fitness professionals i mean listeners i mean if you were to just run down sort of almost the academic approach of this i mean what do real coaches do or you know um 
exercise physiologist. There's screening, you know, can you participate safely? There's assessments, programming, right? And that's where a lot of the art and science comes into it, the goal setting and tweaking mesocycles and all that. Monitoring, like Mike does with HRV and realizing what kinds of monitoring techniques are valid and which ones are just crap, you know, or, or commercial or gimmicks. Like I said, maybe biological time frames. like how fast should I get strong or how long does it take to recover when I'm sore? These are, you have to be educated in these things. So from assessments to programming to monitoring, all this stuff, it's so much more than the, what I call pom-poms, you know, personal trainers. And like I said, at least the ads I'm seeing for some of these online bikes and whatnot, it's just someone on the screen. I, it, it's good. There's a sense of community, I guess. But they're just back to that, come on, you can do it kind of thing. At least that's the way yeah. they're advertising it. And then weirdly, they get off the bike and they grab little dumbbells and they start lifting. I'm like, that's got nothing to do with the bike. It's got nothing yeah. to do with the bike. Um, that's totally my bias, of course. I mean... <laughs> I like barbells. I don't know dumbbells. <laughs> it, it just seems funny that you would go buy a, you know, a, a very expensive bike and then get like a hundred dollar a month membership just to plug into the screen and have someone either insult you or otherwise motivate you, you know, encourage you, whatever. Because, like you said, Mike, ultimately it's intrinsic motivation that's going to keep you doing this. And in order to build interest and motivation. People need to see some results. They want to get strong over the next couple of weeks, and they can, you know, but yeah. they need someone who knows what they're talking about to, to tell them how long it's going to take, you know, because if you just watch the media, um, it's like what you said, Phil, the, the gen pop, when we were little, it seemed to be that there were more average people. It was more of a bell curve. You know, you had few Olympic Olympians, you had very few obese people at the either, either end of the bell curve. But now it's like bimodal. People seem to be hyper fit, obsessive, mm -hmm. or train wreck metabolic, you know, <laughs> diabesity. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, and it's almost uh, a shame because then how do those people even begin? You know, and that's mm -hmm. your message about strength and women. It also applies to people, I think, that aren't, they're just naturally not ripped. I mean, if you, if they come to Mike and they're like, I'm, you know, I'm, I feel fat. I, you know, I'm I'm too heavy. Well, strength is something that you can pursue until the body comp catches up. But if you just start attack trying to attack body fat with whoop, come on, more cardio, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's going to disappoint the hell out of them. They're not going to build the intrinsic motivation. I wouldn't think. No, and I think Peloton can serve as a bridge for people who are not going to hire a trainer or a coach and are trying to cross that threshold of you know was it a year and a half two years to be a lifelong exerciser mm -hmm. right and if you know their goal is more cardiovascular and that's something they can uh, do and they have instruction and that kind of brings them through that bridge I, I think it's great but I agree with your point that if you think that that's what you're going to do the rest of your life meh I, that that makes me a little bit more nervous. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you can't see your VO2 max, right? Which is one of the things that I never really, yeah. when it comes to like elite endurance athletes. Now, eventually they get lean, but that doesn't happen for months, you know, mm -hmm. and you, and you can see, you can feel yourself get stronger. That's why I'm biased towards strength sports. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be fair. There's a sense of community with the Peloton thing. At least if you don't have people around you, if you've got the money, um, you can, 
you know, have someone on a screen, it's better than nobody at all if you just need that that sort of sense of community or support, I suppose. But I don't know. Yeah. Another comment yeah. about I do like some like Phil saying, like smaller gyms I think is all about culture and what is kind of your niche. And if if you don't have either one of those pretty strong, I just don't think you're gonna survive. Yep. Yep. Right. And I've just seen so many gyms lose track of that and try to compete with the bigger box gym and it just does does not end well no it doesn't uh, no and even just simple business things to think about of there was a gym here in the cities that opened beautiful place i did a strongman comp there years ago every time i went there to train there was like no one in the place and it was massively huge. Brand new rogue equipment. It was great to train there. They had good music. The staff was great. But I'm thinking, I'm like, how the hell do they stay in business? Pay the rent. Because the rent mm-hmm. must have been exorbitant per month. Mm-hmm. And every time I went there, there was kind of a different promotion of trying to attract this crowd and that crowd. And and they had all this stuff to do more like kind of hardcore sports. They had all the strongman equipment. They had grip stuff. They had CrossFit stuff. But they didn't really want to market to that crowd. It seemed like mm-hmm. they wanted to market to more the general population who would walk in. And it's a beautiful facility. But like Phil said, they're like, where's your treadmills? You know, like, where's the cardio stuff? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they went out of business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if your goal is to make money, is to go into business... To me, that's not as likely to succeed on a mom and pa level as if you're pursuing your passion and bringing people along. Like Mike, you're you know you're such a, a and I mean this as a fellow geek, but you know you're such a a nerd when it comes to monitoring and all this stuff, and oh, yeah. you know it's that's that's cool in a niche of its own. A, a generalized you know uh, oh, somebody okay. takes a personal training course on a weekend and decides to open a business. They're not going to have the passion for science that you have or fill, you know, with he's out there squatting 750 himself. That's that's what I mean about pursuing it. You have to have some passion for it. I mean, why else would you if your only goal is I'm going to make money, I, I just as soon open a bakery. Well, then yep. a lot of better ways to make money. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that's what a lot of those places do, I think. They just they create an expensive plaza storefront. Like you said, they're flailing about trying to market to different groups instead of saying, This is who I am, you know, and I, I am passionate about this stuff. And even if you're not as advanced as or as strong as Phil, you can have great passion for something and learn along with other people, you know, and invariably it's almost like the way I grew up in martial arts um, gyms that, you know, you have the senior people helping the newbie people. It's just kind of how it works. Um, it's just a way better thing than just going into business just for the, for the dollars because there's not going to be a lot of dollars oftentimes in strength conditioning, you know, especially not for the first couple of years. You just have to love it, I guess. Yeah. My last comment, too, is that I, when I was doing my master's in mechanical engineering, we went across the bridge to uh, Hancock, so I was at Michigan Tech. There's a small gym there, you know, mostly secondhand equipment. The equipment was was good, but it wasn't, you know, super fancy by any means. It was small footprint, but it was one of those places where you paid your money, they give you the code to the door, mm-hmm. you, know, you could go and lift, you know, whenever you want. There's like free coffee, there's always some gym dog wandering around, like blaring death metal. You kind of walk in, it's real dark, and you 
kind of wonder if you're going to get hepatitis per se. <laughs> but it was it was a great plug. You know, and the owner was super cool. Was always super helpful if you you know needed a spot or had any questions. Um, but to me, like that's something that's doable, and you could tell that the owner it was just his passion. And he loved. It. But the good part was he didn't open a fifteen thousand foot square foot facility and go into debt up past his eyeballs. You know, he kind of, I think, knew what he could do and what he want. And, yeah, it was a super, super fun place to train. Yeah, if you know what you're doing and you have a lot of passion, I mean, Phil started in his garage. So, yep. yeah, you know, there you go. All right, good awesome. discussion. Hi, right, guys. I'm going to go try and not kill myself. Yeah, you'll have to let <laughs> us know next week. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> All right, later. All right, guys, later. Yep. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.